Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, he went from being a mob prosecutor to a mayor to a mobbed-up mayor. It's just par for the course in Providence, Rhode Island. We'll look back at our review of a true crime classic podcast, Crime Town. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. All right, so this is obviously... So relaxing here in Crime Town, New Hampshire. <laughs> this is obviously a Thursday Rewind podcast for the y- summer. Yes, yes, yes. What is coming up on Monday's brand new episode We're gonna be Crime Writers On? <laughs> We're going to be talking about the new series from... Serial Productions in the New York Times, it's called The Retrievals. Yes, and that is about a subject that gets me all, like, fired up, right? Women's pain. Yes, I'm telling you, man, if you had to go through anything like what we had to go through, we went to the doctor, you men, you'd be like, holy shit, what? You don't get pain relief for this? Holy shit, what? You mean you're supposed to get fentanyl instead of saline solution? (laughs) They say to take an Advil before this appointment? What? It's nuts. It's bananas. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that conversation. That's because you women can handle it. Men Uh, can't, right? Babies. Babies, exactly. All right, so what are we going to hear in today's Crime Writers on Classic Rewind, Kevin? We're going all the way back to December 2016 to our review of Crime Town. Oh my God, the most masculine podcast ever. You asked me that. It was the manliest podcast. I'll say that we did think at the time it was very format breaking. It was very new. And, you know, the imitators have come along since then. But I thought uh, a lot of us were at the very least impressed by uh, what it was trying to accomplish. Like, and I was basically like, I remember thinking in this like spate of this era, this is Gimlet, right? Yes. I'm like, they're definitely trying to capture a different audience here than the typical true crime audience, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's listen to that review, shall we? This fall, powerhouse podcast producer Gimlet Media dropped a few new podcasts into the audio sphere. One that got my attention when I first heard about it was Crime Town for two reasons. Season one takes place in New England in a city with a fascinating backstory, but it's also being produced by Mark Smerling and Zach Stewart Pontier, and they're the team behind the true crime HBO docuseries The Jinx. So listeners, I'll give my usual spoiler trigger warning here, but with a caveat, I don't think this is a story that could actually be spoiled in particular, but if you want to stop right now, go back and listen to the four episodes of Crime Town that are out there and then come back to this podcast. Go for it, but I I really don't think we can ruin it. I don't. I don't think we can ruin it, right? 
No, it's not. It's not a murder mystery or something. It's, not, it's just a great story. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, let's start with the thing that I think everyone is talking about about this podcast. It sounds completely different from any podcast <laughs> I have ever heard. Now, Laura, I'm going to start with you. What do you think about the production style of Crime Town? It took a little adjusting to. I have to say right off the bat that the theme song that they are playing, I love it it's by awesome. the goat or whatever. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I feel like this is the podcast version of the Sopranos or something. I love it. But, you know, it, it's definitely it's very sleek. It's very polished, you know, and I think we have so many. I mean, we, we are listening to new podcasts all the time for this podcast. And I think with so many out there that their production value can really make or break a podcast. I mean, you can have a podcast that has a great topic, but if their production isn't great, you're probably not going to listen if there's all these other stories out there. But this one almost to me feels like I'm listening to TV through a podcast. I'm not sure how I feel about the car revving up and driving (laughs) at one point as they were going out on a hit or to find somebody that they were going to knock off or something. But for me, I really, you know, I like it. Uh, It took me a while to get into the pace of it. Like there's certain times when they're using music. I'm not sure, is this the end of the story? Are we just having a little dramatic pause so we can think about something? But overall, it's very different to me in the style from any other podcast that we've listened to. It's almost like listening to like a stylized TV show that's made for like audio listening. Yeah, I I think it's really game changing in that way. And I think it... I don't know. I think it might be ushering in a new era of production value that just hasn't existed before. Toby, what do you think of the storytelling style of Crime Town and the way they use sound and and just the way the podcast is put together? I've got kind of mixed feelings. I think for the most part, it's good. I think as far as using like the sound effects, like this is the one podcast where I think it's kind of worked just because everything else is so slick that it doesn't seem really out of place. I think what it misses is that I guess until now, like a lot of the true crime podcasts we've been listening to, part of the charm has been this this idea of a reporter and their producer and the sound person or whatever, but a small group of people, you know, addressing a crime or, you know, what have you. But it's like this small group and Uh, You're kind of following their story, whereas in this one, it's just sort of mentally I picture like a corporation behind behind the making of this. I mean, it's so slick. The stuff that they've got, like the sound clips that they have are unbelievable. Like at first I I was thinking this this has got to be actors Mm -hmm. because it's so clear. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the podcast. It took me a little bit to get used to it. I think it loses a little bit in, you know, being able to identify with the people who are hosting the podcast, but they can't all be like that. They can't all be. You can't, you can't always have like an audio concierge taking you through the story, like their personal story and narrating it for you. Is that, that's what you mean? Well, it isn't, it isn't a true crime podcast in the sense that we've had journalists looking into unsolved stuff or investigating. And then the promise is that we're going to take you on a journey as we dig deep down into this. It's a completely different thing. And it is a story. And I will say, okay, Toby's right. The sound effects, I think it actually works in here. I'm the biggest critic of it. You know, I'm also kind of with Laura. Sometimes. It takes getting used to. It does take getting used to. It's a much different pace. I, I tell you, I don't even know the name of the host. I, I listen to all. It's, it doesn't pop into it my head. Ma- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right. because that's not what it is. It's a. We're hearing a story. There's no mystery to this. It isn't like, did the mayor really do? We 
we're just going along on a journey here. This is all about a story. And I love the, you know, there's this whole side story about the bonded vault heist and, you know, these two wise guys. And it's, it, you know, it only tangentially deals with Buddy Cianci. So far. So far. But it's a great journey. And it's, it's not offshore or in the dark or missing and murdered or any of those other parts. It, it's not a radio journalist, I'm going out and you're going to listen to me knock on a door. It's just telling a story. And the fact that I didn't know this till you, you did the setup for it, but that the producers did the jinx mm-hmm. tells me a lot about their need for high production value that they... Right. I mean, there are some things that, to me, this new slate of podcasts that Gimlet has put out, I've heard a lot about Homecoming, which is the audio drama they, that they just put out, too. Mm-hmm. They are, too. I think, changing the game. So I've sort of been waiting, and, you know, I'm a fan of Alex Bloomberg and what he's doing in Gimlet Media, but up until this point, to me, and I've said this to you before, Kevin, it's very much to me sounded like Alex Bloomberg created another public radio station making more podcasts that sounded a lot like other podcasts that were out there. I mean, I'm a fan of Reply All, obviously, big fan of the show Startup and mm-hmm. the shows they're doing. They haven't sounded different than what one would make at a public radio station or a company like This American Life or a PRX or any one of the sort of you know ancillary sort of public radio sphere companies. This show, to me... Sounds like, okay, this startup called Gimlet Media is doing something completely new and they're doing a cinematic podcast. It is like the Goodfellas of podcasts. I think Gimlet wants to be the HBO of podcasts. Well, he said that before. Oh, he did? Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) Clearly, you don't listen to startup, but that is, that was his plan when he created this company was to become the HBO of podcasts. There you go. I don't feel like they've been bringing it until this show. They've made some very strong, very good shows that don't necessarily stick out in the way this one does. And that's why even the stuff that I'm not used to yet hearing like that whole thing with the recreated phone call they did. I just appreciate the creativity and that it is so different from anything else that we've heard. So I I do want to talk a little bit about the the characters in the show. We're introduced to Buddy Cianci, who I think, you know, the rest of America who doesn't live in New England might not feel like they know him a little bit as well as we do. We just know him like from the news. But in episode two, we'll get back to Buddy. In episode two, however, um, that's where the podcast really takes the turn into Goodfellas territory. We're introduced to these two wise guys, Bobby and uh, Jerry in episode two. It's Jerry Tellingast and Bobby Wallison. Jerry Tellingast, I hate but love but hate to say is like my favorite character in the podcast. And Toby, I'd love to know your thoughts. You know, we have a guy here who is a bad, bad guy (laughs) and yet is amazing. And by the same token, you can hear the guys making the podcast also equally charmed by him as they talk to him. Do you feel that same conflict I do at how likable you find this guy, Jerry Tellingast, this wise guy? I don't really find him that likable. You know, I think the danger with this podcast and I, it, it, is that there's such a sort of popular culture view of wise guys, you know, and I think a lot of it's Scorsese movies, but there's a certain expectation you have and you've seen movies in which they have been, even if they're not like the sort of like unambiguous heroes, but they're, they're the centerpieces of these movies and they, they talk in a very colorful way and things like that. 
But those two guys are mass murderers. I mean, they, they've both killed a bunch of people. So no matter sort of how charming they come off and how kind of down to earth and in some ways friendly they seem, I mean, they're bad, dangerous guys who've, who've done a lot of really bad things. And one of my worries about the podcast is making them seem kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think they, they went too far in that direction, but they went far enough that if you were predisposed to feeling that way, you would. And I would see if I was, you know, living in Providence and knew somebody who they'd killed or just was around during that time and knew that those were dangerous guys, I think there would be some kind of disconnect. Mm -hmm. Now, I sort of, I think my empathy for them, my liking of them has to do with two things. We'll get to the second one in a minute, but the first thing is the sort of lost boys narrative that both of those guys have. They both had you know, very sad or in some way disconnected fatherless upbringings. They talk about being very lost. They talk about being preyed upon, even though they don't describe it that way, by Raymond Patriarca, you know, the the guy in charge of the New England mafia. Laura, I know that you, like me, kind of like these two wise guys, right? Do you have the same feelings of conflict that I have about it? I do. I have to say I like the mobsters. And, and I know what Toby's saying. Yeah, they're, they're killing people. I, they're horrible. They're killing people in horrible ways. But by the same token, there's something sort of romantic in a way about this story about these fatherless boys who find this father figure who, while he may be this horrible crime boss, also has this sort of affectionate side. And also they're like, you know, he's taking care of everybody in the neighborhood. He does more for this city than anyone, you know? I mean, I I like this window that we get into the dynamic of how this mob world works. So, yeah, I am conflicted because I'm like, you know, they're not just killing people. They're like torturing people and, you know, doing awful things to them. But by the same token, the story about the one guy, I can't remember which one it was, who's, you know, the first memory he had was his dad, like, throwing him on the springs on his bed. Yeah, was Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's sleeping Actually on the bench. On that. And he's you can't be two stealing. years old and remember anything. You can't remember that. You can't, unless, you know. No, no, no. It's just, it's, it's unless he wasn't impossible. actually two. I mean, well, he may yeah. So there is some bullshit. He might have been older. But there was just something about that story where it's like you, you this this guy has had this horrible life. And yes, now he's doing horrible things like horrible things were done to him. But it's just there's something that fascinates me about the dynamic of the mob. Well, they have a code, first of all, which is always very interesting. Yeah. Any sort of group that has a code that lives by a code, I think we're always fascinated by. Yeah, like the podcaster code. Yeah. But Kevin, you've talked an awful <laughs> lot about certain types of stories uh-huh. and the fatherless boy narrative is a narrative that pops up again and again and again in your favorite, you know, storytelling arc model uh-huh, that uh-huh. you talk about, the sort of yeah, yeah, okay. lost boy narrative. But I'm just saying, the story isn't these two wise guys. This, that, I, I that's think, the I culture think that, yeah, that but plays I, I into think, it. I think we're way distracted about what this story is. It's about Buddy Cianci. He is the centerpiece. Well, let me ask you another yeah. question then. Because my second thing that I love about the wise mm-hmm. guys, that I also love about Buddy and the tapes we hear from Buddy, is the unbelievable eloquence of these guys. They're dropping profanity left and right, but in between the profanity, they are dropping this Elmore Leonard-esque dialogue that- It's great to listen to. It may be cultivated, uh, but it yeah. is great to listen to. You know, maybe the best piece of dialogue I've you know heard in a long time came from one of these mobsters' mouths. He's like, if you're going to be good, be good. If you're going to be bad, be good at it. That's Raymond a good piece Patriarch of dialogue. Raymond Patriarch never hurt, but he helped more people than he hurt. 
<laughs> yeah, is that that was a good that was a good moment. Look, I I'm just and I understand Toby's concern. I'm just not bothered by it. Maybe that makes me a horrible person. You're a horrible person. And maybe I'm hypocritical because of things I've said about other podcasts. I am just going for the ride on this one. Yeah. It's just everything about it is slick, but not in the way of like uh wink wink, it's not substantive slick or that we're pulling one over on you slick. You know, it's it's very polished. The storytelling is really great. They ended up getting some really great figures and the subject himself although he's passed away he lives on in these tapes and he is also charming everybody in this is charming as hell which makes it a fantastic story to listen to a masculine story to listen to too yes or no is this the manliest podcast ever uh probably (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know ever but of the ones that we've that we've about crime you know, a nonfiction podcast. Yeah, probably is. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Toby, was we got a really interesting look into there was an episode called The Making of a Mayor. And we had an interesting look into just how politics worked in Providence, which was basically like everyone was a Democrat. If you were able to collect votes for candidates, you got a job and that you got to have forever, no matter how poorly you performed in that job. And there was that amazing example of the guy who ran the parks department talking about the zoo employee who continued to feed the dead tortoise when it was dead for three days. But this look into the political machine that ran Providence, Rhode Island for so long did that feel stale and anachronistic to you? Did it feel a little bit like maybe some of those vestiges live on in politics today? I mean, I, I just love your thoughts about that episode in general. It didn't seem stale to me, but it's, it seems like it's the classic, like Chicago, you know, where you had the daily machine. I mean, I think you had the Democratic machine in Providence. And I think one of the little quotes they play again and again is, is something about how there's two governments. There's like the real government and then there's the crime government or, or something to that extent. And I, that seems to be true in Providence. I'm not sure if that's true nationwide. It didn't seem stale. It's certainly the reputation that Providence has. I actually, um, my son had a lacrosse tournament in Providence at Brown. And we went to lunch afterwards, and I, I don't even know where it was, but it was in this little, like, sort of walking street. And we were sitting at a table, and, like, right next to us was these guys, like the guys who are in this podcast. <laughs> it's like these old, like, 70-something guys, and they were talking just like these guys and throwing in the F-bombs, and people were going up to them, and, like, one guy in particular, you know, saying hi to him, shaking his hand and stuff. I was just watching them. I was like, man, these are like old mob guys. And they were spending the whole time, they were talking about uh, Joe Girardi, who's the manager of the uh, Yankees, mm-hmm. who's an Italian guy. They're, t- they're spending most of the time talking about Joe Girardi, but also Joe Girardi's mom and what like a great woman she is. Hmm. So it was, it was definitely, <laughs> so how do you like, that was one of the me? things I was thinking about <laughs> when, I was, when I was listening to this is I was like, I, I have limited experience in, in Providence but this totally nails it. It gives a good sense, I think, of what that city's like. I think one of my favorite moments in the podcast was when we heard the um, Republican convention speech from Buddy Cianci <laughs> in 1976, I guess, right? 76, when, yeah. When he says, uh, I am not Italian. I'm, I'm Italo-American. It- no, Italo-American. Italo-American. Tell you something. Italo-American. I'm Italian. Yeah. I have never heard the expression Italo-American, well, except for in this podcast. How about gyno-American? <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so, Laura, uh, we talked about the fact that this podcast breaks format, at least for us. There's no reporter sort of guiding us through the story, digging in that we then develop a personal relationship with. Do you miss that? Or do you think this podcast can stand on its own without that and just be its own thing and be brand new? I think it can stand on its own. It's such a different format. It's such a different type of podcast that I don't really need that. So I would love your thoughts. Are you going to continue listening to Crime Town? I'd just love your sort of wrap up thoughts on it. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. And why? And are you going to continue to listen? Yeah, um, thumbs up. You know, I actually, um, one side of my family is from the Providence area. So Ooh, I, I definitely. Oh, which side? Yeah, Explain yeah. so much. <laughs> well, Nan, my, my beloved Nan, who's 99. The dark side. Who's, yeah, very feisty. Well, she was like the first woman president of the East Providence Citizens League or something. So, what the hell is um, that? Yeah, you should get some buddy Sandy stories from her. Supposedly, it was in well, yeah, the, the Prince of Providence. They all call, oh, the Prince of Providence. You know, they all, all the aunties talk about him. So, I am definitely going to keep listening um, because this reminds me of a show that I used to love. It's different, but did you guys ever watch um, City Confidential on A and Oh my God, yeah, A and E, yeah, that was a that, yeah, I do remember and, that show. Um, would take a murder case, but it would examine the culture of the city where the murder took place. Mm-hmm. And and it was just, and I loved that show. Um, it was really interesting. I always love learning about different cities when I go places. So I'm definitely going to keep listening. Toby, are you still in with Crime Town? Are you going to continue listening? I'd love your thoughts on the show in general. Yeah, no, I give it a thumbs up. I realize that I'm supposed to be cynical, but I've given like <laughs> thumbs up to like the last like six or seven shows. <laughs> like it seems like any of these episodes could stand alone. I think you could listen to episode number three without having listened to episode one and two Mm -hmm. and still be able to orient yourself and get something out of it, which is a little different than all the other ones we'd listen to, which are really, you sort of need to listen to them in order. Right. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's really good. So Kevin, I didn't ask you, you know, the formula so far for Mm -hmm. podcasts has been, you know, we get a crime, we don't know anything about it. We get involved in the investigation an attempt to solve the cases made with a reporter. So is this a gamble to, to do a podcast like Crime Town and do it so differently? Yeah, I think it is because I think audiences expect that sort of I'm the narrator and I'm taking you on the journey and here are my bona fides as an investigator and we're going to solve this unsolved crime. We're going to uncover this mystery. So to come out, first of all, to take a story which is fully fleshed out already. You know, there's no secrets here necessarily. And then to dig in and give something like this is not only a different kind of story, but the way they present it where it's so heavily produced mm-hmm. with even the little goat sound effect. You remember hearing the little goat sound effect? <laughs> when you had the goat in jail. The goat in jail. <laughs> yeah, those jail situations were insane. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely breaking the format. So is it a gamble? It might be a gamble. Not as big a gamble as playing Pass the Pig by Winning Moves Games. <laughs> Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.
Te presentamos a la familia López. Fashion es su pasión. Vas a ver que estos flare jeans los va a tener todo el mundo. Y cuando se enteraron de que Walmart ahora tiene un probador virtual para su centro de visión. Fashion show virtual. Aquí viene Silvia con monturas preciosas de DKNY. Le sigue José en lentes de Nike y Sandra con lentes de Vivi que le quedan bellos. Con mis flare jeans. Pruébate todos los looks con el probador virtual de Walmart. Sube tu prescripción y compra tus lentes online para que te lleguen directo a casa. Bienvenido a un cuidado de visión más fácil. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Se si aplican restricciones. Visita walmart.com para más detalles. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, that was fun. It was a fun listen to that uh, rock and roll and uh, review of that yeah. podcast. I always remember just that the theme music was so cool. For that. <laughs> it's way better than all the wondery uh, <laughs> rock and roll yeah, soundtracks. Blues. Country yeah. blues, kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, they've sort of gotten away from that. Remember all the hands on the covers of all their podcasts? Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, so all Prime right. Sound stayed with Gimlet, and then uh, Mark did Crooked City. That's right. Which is basically like the ABC after school special yes. and the CBS school break special. That's it's right. very much the same thing. Yeah, he basically he, took his reporting and rebranded it. Yeah, it just really didn't like change the name all that much. Exactly. All right, but what was funny was the last season that he did something was about a, a town that was actually known as Primetown, but he had actually going to be the name of the oh, podcast, remember? That's right. <laughs> In Ohio, Youngsville? Youngstown. Youngstown. A yeah. town otherwise known as Primetown. Primetown. I'm like, oh, too bad you couldn't use that name, Mark. Anyway. <laughs> Trademark. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Remind us what's coming up on Monday's brand new episode of Crime Writers on. Talking about the retrievals from Serial Productions. Always looking forward to talking about something from Serial Productions. If that's going to do it for us, I want to remind everybody that this show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement, where we also threaten each other frequently with cigarette burns. On behalf I'll of all talk! The, I'll talk! On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 